Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm happy that you're tuning in for another episode of this show. Today, we're going to talk to Pretty Chaudhary about connecting the dots and leading across the cultural borders. Kriti is originally from India and has lived and worked in China as well. And nowadays she's working globally with startups as a mentor and as a, an advisory board member, focusing quite a lot on the diversity and inclusion. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about connecting the best of the worlds of the different cultures. She, for example, connects the Western professionalism with the cultures of the Eastern societies and cultures. We're going to talk about exploring the cultures, to be able to understand them, to get under the skin of the people who carry and live by the culture that we're talking about, so that it's easier for you to find the similarities, but also find those differences that can make all the world of the difference for you and your business in a positive way. So that's the thing that we want you to think about and to open up to today in this conversation. We want you to think about how can you leverage the differences, the cultural differences, and the backgrounds of different countries in your team or between you and your contractors, partners, and so on, so that it becomes a fascinating journey where everyone wins and everyone admires each other's differences and draws on that multiplying results and the joy through the process. We'll be talking about how Preeti was doing it when she was traveling around the world and trying to learn the cultures as an insider. She will give practical tips on how to explore the cultures, what kind of questions to ask, what kind of contexts to create and environments to create. And we're going to talk about how we need to open our minds and how we can do that to make the effort to adjust to the locals if you're traveling somewhere else or adjust to people from the different background in your own home place and how this adjustment and the openness to to see and understand and meet and greet the differences will open up the people to you and will help you to really bring out the best communication environment where you can actually multiply the results. We'll be talking about things that are important for us to learn the cultures. The prerequisite for that is to actually learn your own culture, to understand yourself. And I'm not talking about the country culture of yours. For example, for me as a Ukrainian, that would be about Ukrainian culture. No, it's my personal culture. Me as the unit, as the whole being, what is my culture? What are my values and so on? And how can I explore that? Pretty suggesting to spend one hour alone every day. Are you ready to take on that challenge? If not, start with small, smaller times, but spending time alone without distractions. And that will help you to open up your mind to the others and their cultures and also open up to explain yourself to the others. 
this uh, self-awareness is so important when we come into the projects, for example, or start new businesses to explain how we function so that people understand what's going on. I do it with every new partner, collaborator, or even a team member. I ask them, how, how do you prefer to be communicated with? How do you react when you're stressed? And how can I help you when I see that you're stressed? Should I withdraw? Should I come and hug you? Should I take over some things for a moment or whatever? Opening up for those discussions makes it much more easier to go through ups and downs of entrepreneurship and leadership with the other people. So I hope you will get some valuable, valuable input from Preeti from this conversation. Let us know what you think. Preeti is very active on LinkedIn, so we'll be happy to hear your input and your takeaways and reflections. And I hope that you take on your challenge of scheduling that one conversation to learn from someone else today. See you on the other side. Hi, everyone, dear Genius Leaders. Today, I'm joined by Preeti Chaudhary, go coming from India. That's, I think, first time. It took me over 30 episodes to get someone from that continent. I can't believe that happening, but I'm very, very happy that you are the first one from the continent of Asia. Welcome to the show, Preeti. Thank you so much, Anna. And likewise, it's a pleasure always talking to you. And I'm really excited and looking forward to our conversation. The topics that you talk about are inherently so important for leadership and all its nuances that I am actually looking forward to adding value from a cross-border and an Eastern perspective. Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited for that conversation as well. And it's my pleasure to invite you and, and have this conversation with you. And I'm, I'm sure that I will learn a lot and let alone my, my listeners and, and our audiences. So Preeti, I usually start with a question. When you hear words sustainable business performance, what comes to your mind? I think to me, it's pretty natural that anything sustainable needs to take care of itself in terms of resources. That's mm. a very basic example of sustainability. But if you juxtapose it onto business, it means that whatever you are generating as a revenue, you are plowing back into the business and thereby you are not incurring any bad loans or bad numbers to make your business unviable. So to me, a sustainable business is all about creating your ROI, your return on investment, putting it back into the business and then generating those numbers without harming yourself from debts, loans, friends, family, banks, and all the rest of it. Does that make uh, any sense to you at all, Anna? My mind sees sustainability in business. Back to you. Thank you. I love that answer, Preeti, and especially coming from you who are connecting people, businesses with investors and talking about the loans, right? It's very good to see that you have this perspective, like it has to be sustainable. It has to not harm anyone, including the business itself and the owner of the business and the people who are working in it and investors neither. So it's, um, it's a great perspective and I'm sure we'll come back to it during the conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. I would like to start this conversation about connecting the world parts together and bringing the best out of the differences we have and also coming forth with the similarities that we have. So you work globally. You have lived and worked for many years, of course, in India, but also in China. And now you're working with the global, both funders and startups and startup networks. 
and investors. And I'm I'm sure that you have seen a lot of similarities and the differences, and you have learned to navigate them in a way that is a win-win and that is sustainable for everyone involved. So where would you like to start in this conversation? I think I would draw upon the parallels in terms of um, similarities, first of all, Anna, because I think no two people are really that different from each other. You know, they are more similar than we can actually imagine. And it's only these small little differences that make them sort of unique and apart from each other. But essentially, if you see people are really similar in terms of all the ethos and the values that are associated with sort of either they're working for someone or they're running their own business and things. I think everybody sort of thinks in terms of generating the numbers for the stakeholders that they are answerable to. Now, these could be people, startups, you know, evangelists, people working jobs and all the rest of it. Um, They could be from India. They could be from Iceland for that matter. They could be from Sweden. They could be from the States. The basic underlying values and ethos, I think, are the same in terms of being able to make the numbers for the stakeholders. Because at the end of the day, they are answerable to people that have invested their money, time, energies, efforts, and all the rest of it. So that, I think, is the one basic sort of similarity. And that also sort of puts us all together into this whole ecosystem of being able to collaborate and help each other and then generate a lots of cross-border business because essentially we are all on the same wavelength. The differences that come in, Anna, I think are more from the, the legacy, the history, the past that we all have grown up with. And that differs from geography to geography and from region to region, Anna. So somebody like who has, uh, say, for example, in India, they come in with 6,000 years of civilization and our own sort of ups and downs when it comes to in terms of the way people have lived and worked here. The periods here in the history in India, you can sort of safely categorize into two or three parts, you know. So the the uh, the pre-sort of colonization, the colonization for the 250 years and now 75 years hence, after the independence. So the pre-colonization India was pretty developed, wherein there were thriving businesses. The Silk Road was open from China to the uh, to Europe and beyond. So Indian traders were going all over the place. Religion was thriving. So Buddhism, Jainism, and Hindu sort of uh, priests and followers, they were going all over Southeast of Asia and so on and so forth. Then came colonization, with which everything started looking inward. And sort of, you know, things, were sort of not more open anymore. People had to self-sustain within this particular geography of the larger India and so on and so forth. And we had to be self-sustainable in terms of our produce, in terms of anything that we ever made. Earlier, even our spices and, and our textiles and so many other things were going to the world. But with colonization, the consumption had to either go to the masters back in the UK or it had to be within the country. So that period. and once. Independence happened in 1947. There was a complete sea change once again, you know. So essentially, for the last 75 years, we have learned our lessons the hard way, the soft way, and everything else in between. Because up until the 90s, the economy was still closed. Come 1990, Indian economy sort of opened up. And um, then foreign direct investments and everything else were sort of coming into the country. 
and it's taken us almost from 1990 up until now we are in 2021 wherein india is actually in some stance of saying okay you know the next decade is going to be ours and you see right now the startup boom is such in this country that is unbelievable mm. the kind of um, knowledge the kind of solutions that are coming up it's absolutely fantastic so you know i mean all in all like i said so many things to are uh, dependent and to learn from the kind of values and legacies that we carry i gave you specific examples from india because i am from here but similarly all of these can be sort of leveraged to different parts of the country so we are we act based on our own intuitions and our own uh, value system that we come up with back to you thank you thanks a lot for the answer and i really loved how you started with the similarities and then continued to the differences because you're so right about that we in the nature we are still the same we might have differences from the nurture in the way that the way the values that we're brought up with and so on but the things that come most naturally to ourselves are same whether you live on the north american continent or in asia or somewhere in europe and this is so important to remind ourselves that whenever we feel like oh this person looks different from me this person behaves differently from me look for similarities If you open your mind and you set the intention to look for those, you'll find them. And it's so important to have that intention when you come in the interactions because that will really help you, your business, your team thrive. Not focusing on the differences that might be there on the surface, but going deeper in and seeing where do I actually connect with this person? Where do I relate with her, with him or her? Where do we resonate with each other? and that's where the good high performing teams are uh, coming from that's where the collaborations are really thriving from and this is important on the on a human level as well with our friends with our family members because now family is also becoming global so it's so important to really tap into that and always come back to this where are we similar where can we understand each other and connect with each other actually yes and also uh, another point anna i think as humans we need to first be and behave as humans and that is the most basic and that is where everybody is the same i won't even call similar but we are all mm. same because we're all humans aren't we it's just that we live in different regions so we speak a different language we eat different food we are different skin tones skin tones even and eyes and what rest of it but when you actually look inward all of us are humans i think that is a good enough thing for all of us to connect all those dots and then just take it from there So mm. those are my thoughts additional thoughts on that back to you thank you I would like to really deep in uh, dive deeper into this phrase that you said when we first connected with you and you said about the connection of the western professionalism and the eastern values what did you mean by that uh, and where does this idea come from come from basically first of all this idea is a uh, something that i sort of looked inward at basis my world travels so as you know i've been to almost 20 plus odd countries on four continents and that's still an ongoing process so that's still being counted including india i've lived in four other countries i speak about six languages including mandarin by virtue of living almost eight years in china one year in indonesia so bahasha uh, indonesia as well so on and so forth the point i'm trying to make here is all of this sort of gave me an opportunity to be intermingled with all of these people these languages societies culture business and all the rest of it as a local 
not as an outsider, but as an insider. And the more I sort of thought about it, the more I came to the conclusion that the small little difference that we were talking about earlier in between people from different regions is people from the West are more professional when it comes to sort of timekeeping, the um, all the other things associated with being, you know, very corporate and very with it when you come to the systems, the processes, the timekeepings and all the rest of it. Whereas in the Asian part of the world, things are more relaxed and laid back. And I will tell you the basic reason why. In this part of the world, we are more uh, social and more in touch with our families, which means we are not all nuclear family, even though we might be living nuclear, but we have our extended family. So, you know, between two couples, you have two sets of parents, that's four people. And then you have the extended aunts, uncles and this and that which means we already have a big community with varied nuances to deal with, which means we are more in touch with different sort of sets of people on a daily basis. We do not have to actually seek anyone's appointment or things to go and visit people. We just get up and we go and visit our aunts and uncles. Whereas in the West, if you see, everybody is busy, people are nuclear. They live in their own sort of houses and, and there could be distances. And at times, people have lost touch with each other. So I think the one basic difference is being nuclear in the West and being sort of social as a society in the East, which means when you marry both of these values, I think that is a perfect business scenario, which means you take the professionalism from the West, wherein the systems processes, the timekeeping and all the rest of it Mm. stays. And then you get the relationships and the way to sort of deal and talk with people and then you marry both and there you have best of both worlds. So when I was on my travels, also business and social travels and all the rest of it, I sort of experienced this with my own sort of two eyes, two ears, one mouth, two hands and all the rest of it, you know. So I said, hey, what a beautiful thing. Uh, It's the best of both worlds and, and so many beautiful things can come out of this if more and more people sort of started thinking about that. So that is the reasoning behind that statement. And that has stayed with me for the last 15 or um, 18 years almost, you know, ever since I've sort of realized in my conscious and unconscious mind that probably this is a better way of being. So that's where it came from. And coming to sort of more practical nuances of it, like I said, I think, let me take an example here. So any multinational that maybe wants to establish an Indian subsidiary and has a local team here in place, I think that would be an example of best of both worlds. If you want to use a startup sort of uh, an example, any startup from wherever in the world, if they want to have one of the centers in India, then they have the best of both worlds because they already have the professionalism from the Western counterpart of the world. And if they have a development center or any other subsidiary in this country, then they are picking up all those nuances of Eastern value systems from here. And when they get that together, then I think it's the win-win for everybody concerned. Thank you. Back to you. I want to develop a couple of the things that you have mentioned here. First, you started with talking about this, that you have noticed those differences while living in different countries and you managed to observe the culture from the insider as an insider. And honestly, I've been living abroad. So I'm originally from Ukraine, but I've been living outside of Ukraine for 11 years now. And I have seen a lot of people who have been living as me internationally for decades even, and they still felt like outsiders. So 
you mentioned the languages. Is but even those I have examples of people who who've been fluent in the uh, language of the country that they lived in, but they still felt uh, as an outsider. What do you think makes a difference? How can people train and practice living as an insider and exploring the culture and being open to to seeing those beautiful differences and also seeing the similarities? Thank you. Very good question. And I've been asked this time and time again because the ease with which I've navigated cultures in my own life, um, somehow my friends and extended people that I come in contact with are not able to put their heads around. And I have a very simple answer for them. I say to them, please do not go with a preconceived or a closed mind. Let your mind be open. That makes all the difference. You do not need to be an expert in the language to get under the skin of the locals. You actually need to make authentic and genuine efforts to assimilate yourself. When they see you making these little changes and these little efforts, they warm up to you. You know, the simplest of the things, I'll give you certain examples. While I was living in China, for the first couple of years, I did not know the language or anything at all. It is pretty difficult. And let me tell you that there are more than 6,000 characters. I still do not know how to write it. And that doesn't matter. My goal was to be able to have a conversation in Mandarin with the local people. Otherwise, I will always be an outsider. So for the first couple of years, it was pretty tough because I did not speak the language and none of that happened. But it's not that I was not trying. It was just that it was a bit difficult and things take time. But the effort was there, which means that I had lots of local friends who would actually meet me for coffee dates and we would sort of end up doing language exchanges. What I also did was I opened my home to them and what I did was cooking together is a very good medium of sort of getting conversations and things started. And everybody in the world is crazy for Indian food. So I said, okay, I will open my home and I will start teaching anybody that wants to learn from me Indian cooking. So I had people from different nationalities, at least 20 nationalities, including Chinese, come to my home. We got a little community going. We cooked together. We laughed together. We ate together. And thereby, we exchanged notes together. And then the locals found it so intriguing and so much of value addition that there were so many people from so many different countries all in one place. And all of us were able to sort of converse together. So from there, sort of things took off and it sort of grew organically from those instances. So what I'm trying to say here is essentially the mind needs to be open. We do not need to go with preconceived ideas. It is not always an all sort of rosy story. There are thorns in between, but with open mind, with a bit of consistency and persistence, I think everybody will get there eventually. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. If you're not getting down to the levels of the local and assimilating yourself from that standpoint, I think you will struggle wherever in the world you are. So that's my take. I think just be local, act local, think local, and it'll get easier with days passing by. Thank you. Back to you. Thanks so much for this answer, Preeti. And I really loved how you said about it like you need to get under the skin of the people right and for that you need to adjust you need to show them that yeah I might not be from here I might not understand everything but I'm making an effort I'm really trying to to learn 
what is the way of behaving, thinking, acting here so that I can make it more comfortable for you to to welcome me. And then when you open each other this way, it's easier to learn and and see the beauty of, of the interactions and the friendships growing across the borders as we're discussing in this team. And I really liked what you said about the the adjustments, as I said, and also how you talked about having the adjustments of your own lifestyle, but also mm-hmm. bringing your own home. You did it through cuisine. Everyone loves Indian cuisine. So you, you said, okay, I'll open up my home and I'll teach people. That might not be your profession, right? You might not be <laughs> a cook. You might not, it may be uh, absolutely love doing it for 20 people with 20 people all the time. But that was your medium to to finding this platform, creating the platform to to really learn from each other. And I have this very uh, simple example of how I managed to come or to open up my mind when I moved to Sweden from Ukraine back in 2010. I first shared a room with another Ukrainian who lived there um, two years, or who moved there two years before me. And while I was looking for my own accommodation, he made this kind of crash course introduction to the Swedish culture to me. And once we were walking in the city and I saw a girl who had a summer dress, it was August, so it was warm, and she had the Converse shoes on. And to me, those were sports shoes. And having a nice flowery summer dress with those, they just didn't go together. And I commented on that, like, Converse with summer dress? Ew. And this guy told me, uh, told me, Anya, take off your curtains. Those curtains that horses have to focus when they are racing. I don't know why they're called in English, but he said, Anya, take off those. You're in Sweden. Look around and explore. And now I'm having goosebumps because that was a very simple example. But he really, he did this kind of very gentle but slap in the face for me that I came here, like there to Sweden with a closed mind. Mm-hmm. Blinkers. And you had those blinkers on and blinkers. he actually, yeah, actually wanted you to remove those. Yeah. So you were saying, yeah, yeah back to you. Yeah. And it just really helped me. And I, I would remind it to myself whenever I would sense some judgment in my thoughts, I would hear his voice, Anya, take those off. <laughs> and I would just remind it to myself and think, okay, if I look at it a bit more openly, what can I learn from this example of behavior, of this choices of, of how to dress even or how to behave and so on? And that really helped. So really, when you come to a new place, take off those blinkers, you said, pretty, and, and explore. This is the way how you can learn, widen your perspectives and find the beautiful friendships that you wouldn't otherwise. Absolutely. And then again, you know, being an intrinsic traveler also helps. Now, the point that mm-hmm. someone is living in another country says that they are a born traveler. Otherwise, they would have just lived in their own country, right? So mm-hmm. if they are living already in some other country, the best way, the easiest way to assimilate, and this is what I have done in each of these places that I've been to, either lived or as a tourist, take my backpack, morning, just step out and just walk. And mm-hmm. in those walks, such beautiful sights, Sounds, smells, conversations, assimilations, everything on the ground, from the ground and local. It cannot get any better than that. Anya, you know, it is like, it's almost as if you are turning a local book and you are also one page of that particular book, you know. So for me, this has worked beautifully. My backpack, my walking shoes and off for long walks. And 
be observant be like a sponge talk less see more and hear more because that's when all the assimilation and the soaking up happens and if there are any questions i've not even sort of felt anything at all to just ask you know even in my broken language if i've not known at that particular point in time but if curiosity if we don't ask and get the correct information we'll anyway end up with so many misconceptions and misconceptions you know wrong information in our head what's the point of that it's only going to spoil our experience of that particular place so just go and just walk and get your piece of the local culture language history and everything else in between thank you back to you hey genius leader i am chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me if you're enjoying this episode share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. I love this and I I just got the the travel bug in me itching right now when listening to you because I absolutely love those experiences when you just leave without any agenda and you go where your eyes want to go where your legs are leading you and you're exploring you're so much more open and for that I loved experiences of couch of couch surfing back in Sweden when I lived in Gothenburg after a couple of years we were quite active on couch surfing hosting people and I really loved walking around the city that started being my home that I got used to and exploring it and rediscovering it with their eyes because everything was the first time for them and that is the beauty of of really exchanging experiences as well take someone else on this walk with you who has never seen those things and you will start looking up instead of just down on the street you will look at the buildings around you you will notice some things that of the homes the details that you haven't paid attention to in years and that again that opens your mind even further and it creates a, a space for beautiful discoveries and the conversations actually um that has been one of my other mantras as well even when i'm sort of on my travels you know just sort of don't have any agendas just go with the flow just experience stay away from the tourist traps because that is where everybody and their uncle goes you go down these paths and uh, little museums and small little coffee shops that only the locals go to because that is the way that you can actually grab the essence of that particular place that you are uh, at that point in time you know so that holds for personal travel that holds for business that holds for anything really because what essentially you're trying to do is to understand the local flavor and then you can mold those feelings expressions and thoughts into whichever situation you are either if you are a local native or you're running a business as a foreigner there or you're trying to assimilate a startup as a foreigner there i mean so many use cases but the basic remains the same just go with the flow learn soak up and then come up with your own version that works for you thank you for that and i'm sorry you were starting to say something i will let you finish that now go for it no thank no worries you. you you actually have a good bridge to what i wanted to go deeper into what you've already talked about this bridge in the professionalism from the western world being on time and focusing on the goals and so on and the social part of the eastern world the values there so you said that you have come with this idea of merging the two worlds in the best way 18 years ago how have you been implementing that especially if we talk about the business world the startup world connecting the startups with the investors or maybe having the international companies come in the indian market how did you help them come to that perfect blend 
So I think um, the bridging that I have been able to do is a lot of facilitation in terms of cultural and business exchanges for these two different communities. So there's the Western set of people that have those certain values. There's a, here's the Indian or age slash Asian set of people. They do not understand their values. They don't understand their values. So as a person that has been into both of these situations, been there, done that, lived, worked, I thought the best I can do is facilitate via conversation, via sensitization, what is it that this group is looking from this group and what is it that this group can work, collaborate with this group so that both of them win. So whereas from the Western world, a lot of professionalism comes in terms of processes, timekeeping and all the rest of it, from the Eastern side, the, there are the values of teamwork, of integrity, of loyalty, of sort of going to the nth uh, sort of place to deliver on promises being made. And these are some of the, you know, most sort of obvious business use cases. So when you combine these two, then I think you've already won half the battle. The rest of uh, the battle can be sort of ironed out and won as the two communities start working together. But for any basic thing to happen, this understanding has to happen. And then when, when people evolve, they sort of get to know each other on a deeper level as a people, as a culture, as the habits, as the nuances, with sort of exchange travels and sensitizations. Then it's a different ballgame altogether. But initially, I think it is extremely essential to sort of be a bridge between these two and then uh, so many nuances of success stories that I have seen myself and have been a part of that's there for everybody to see Anna. so i think um, that to start with i think dialogue a communication a conversation is a good starting point if you were to ask me that back to you thank you what kind of questions do you usually bring to the table to facilitate that conversation so that people start exploring the differences and similarities between their cultures i think um, first of all it's the verbal communication that sort of matters a lot because in the asian context it's totally different. We speak not only verbally, but body language as well. And in Asia, whatever your body language is projecting doesn't necessarily mean the same as what is understood in the Western part of the world. So the first thing first is to bust the nonverbal and verbal means of communication to sort of do a little bit of a communication sort of exercise wherein if this group is showing the picture of a donkey. This group understands that it is a donkey, in fact. And this, I don't mean uh, sort of in a drawing or literally figurative. I mean, by means of communication. There should not be ambiguities that this, this group is talking about an elephant and this group understands that to be a giraffe, you know? So those basic skills of sort of body cues in terms of the right words, the nuances, I mean... In Asia, English is anyway a very uh, high degree sort of business language. All of us grow up with our own mother tongues, but most people in Asia also speak English because that is the business language in this part of the world. So language is not an issue. It's just how it is understood, perceived, and then expressed. That is where the bridging needs to happen. So that is the kind of sort of uh, facilitation I meant earlier is to sort of being a bridge at the very basic level and then sort of 
taking the nuances a notch up a notch up a notch up and a notch up hmm. back to you thank you i uh, thought about this uh, anecdote that uh, a friend of mine who is an inter- intercultural coach uh, was telling me that the swedish team was going to japan to to have a convers- like a business conversation and they had they hired a culture coach and that prepared them how to communicate and what is the business etiquette in in Japan and so on exactly and they were super stressed about like okay we shouldn't have this strict or direct eye contact because that's uh, uh, rude in in Japan and so on so they were really mindful about those things they have trained and so on and then they come to the business meeting and they're very confused and getting angry because the Japanese are not behaving as they were taught and it tr- turned out later on that the Japanese people also had a culture coach who educated them about how the Swedish people behave. <laughs> and the Japanese were also getting stressed and trying to like be a bit more direct in their communication, have this eye contact, maybe have a firm handshake and those kind of things. So what are your experiences with getting on this international arena where people are a bit more aware about each other, but that also can create some confusion? I think uh, we have evolved a lot really because there has been so much of explosion due to the internet and so on there's been so much of knowledge around that it is not the same as probably what it could have been 10 years back I would say even 5 years back for that matter there is lot and lot of awareness but instances like this still do exist because I mean come on it's not possible for 100% population from say two places to be 100% conversant all the time but I say all I say is, you know, it, it's getting better. And, and uh, I think there are more open sort of understandings and less of gas happening nowadays with more and more people sort of even moving to the West for their education, for working. And then they're choosing to sort of come back to the country after a certain point in time. So the awareness is also being uh, created firsthand by view of this reverse migration that is happening back into the country where the people have left initially, but then now they're back. So awareness is actually only going day by day up. But those kind of instances still do exist. And all um, I would do and all any anybody does is, you know, you just sort of take it in your stride, you laugh with it, and you actually move on. Because I don't think that is making too much of a difference because people are more open. People are more aware that all of us come with our own sort of um, differences, similarities, yes, but also differences. And it is equally important to acknowledge and assimilate those dissimilarities and then sort of find a common ground and then move forward. So I think it's not too much of a problem anymore, uh, Anna. It's, I think, taken in the stride. We make the best of everything and we sort of move on. Back to you. Thank you. I really like how you said about it, that awareness is rising and that actually is the great trend that we see with the internet and with the globalization and travels. So to you, dear genius leaders, really think about that. You have more knowledge and more understanding and more awareness that you might think of. So don't get paralyzed in those situations and start exploring and think about like, okay, what do I already know? Maybe I didn't understand that I knew it, but You've traveled for your vacations and you have seen different ways of behaviors, for example, and attitudes. So bring that with you to the business table as well. It will only enrich in your experience and make it more effective with the communication and efficient as the collaboration. That, you know, I think compassionate style of leadership and also empathetic style of leadership would make a lot of difference if we only were uh, sort of thinking from the level of the person opposite 
I think that would make a sea change into the way we behaved and we came across to other people. And I'm not even talking about, you know, our teams under or peers or our leaders over us. I'm just talking on the very base level of a human being. So if we only were to think compassionately and empathize, I think all of these nuances of differences and all the rest of it or the unmindful behavior, all that would automatically sort of dissipate. So that um, is something which I'm very conscious about myself. I first of all think about, oh my God, if I say this, what is the person who's going to be listening to this feel like? And if I'm not going to be feeling good about it, then don't say it. You know, so I think that is the way forward to be empathetic and compassionate when we do deal with people and not just our country people. It could be anybody from the globe. As long as as humans, we behave with each other in these two sort of um, sort of imbibe these two emotions and behave accordingly, I think everything will be all right. Back to you. How do you think leaders can practice and exercise being more compassionate and empathetic? I think they need to be more in touch with themselves, really, Anya. Mm-hmm. Look inward. I think the, all the answers that we ever seek outside and all the validations, they're essentially all within us. With so much of white noise and so much of peer pressure and so much of fear of missing out and so much of I want to be here, I want to be there and there, there, there and there, that we actually stopped spending what was called the me time with ourselves. And as a result, we are looking for validations everywhere else, but not validating ourselves by ourselves. I think the biggest service that anybody can do to themselves is by looking inward, spending that one golden hour by yourself when you wake up first thing in the morning, please keep away that mobile phone, keep away that newspaper, get that warm water or get that tea or whatever it is that you take first thing in the morning. And for those next one hour or 60 minutes of your time, just don't do anything. Just internalize, you know, just reflect on what has been yesterday. Reflect on what is it going to be the next eight hours of my working life? After that, what are the next other hours going to be for my family, my spouse, my children, my extended family, my pets living at home? I think if we just, like I said, got in touch with ourselves, I think all answers will be revealed. Back to you. This is gold, Preeti. I'm so happy that you came to this answer and, and mentioned that because this is something that a lot of leaders are avoiding nowadays. And, and I'm a, a huge fan of uh, discussing the personal leadership or leadership of self because that is where everything starts and everything ends. It just comes full circle when you, whether you are taking care of yourself or not. And that really affects all the relationships and all the roles of yours in life. So that's a golden tip to really spend a golden hour in the morning. And if it's not an hour for you, if you have small kids like me and then you don't get this one hour, start with 10 minutes. Just do it at least a bit, a bit of time without any disturbance, without any noise, as you said. And just look at inwards and thinking, how do I feel right now? Give yourself space for that. Like, What are the thoughts coming through my mind? If you see some patterns with the negative thoughts, hmm, you probably have not nurtured yourself enough. How can you do that? How can you integrate a bit more of self-nurture in your day so that you don't have those negative spirals going down in up them, down them every morning just when mm-hmm. you start your day? Absolutely. And you know, that is extremely important. I can't stress enough because I think not enough of us are giving ourselves our credit that is due to us. And we're constantly looking for stimuli and for everything else outside. 
But like I said, if we just let ourselves be and let our mind and hearts and bodies and souls take their own decisions without actually interfering with them, I think this whole world will be a much better place than it is right now. I believe in the same, Preeti. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. I would like to, before we wrap up, ask a bit more about from the Western point of view. Mm-hmm. How can we in the Western world, where most of my audience are at the moment, think and integrate more of the Eastern cultures, what you talked about, the social life, right? And, and bring in those values of authenticity and and. Um, loyalty how can we think that way and bring that more and integrate in our lives i think a, a good start point would be is to start reading up about all ancient civilization i'm not touting india here it could be anything anything which has got a history of more than 2000 years i think start acclimatizing yourself with the basic the core values of what these civilizations are all about and i think half the answers will emerge from there because i think Old and ancient civilizations have one basic value in sort of um, tandem, you know, it's like common to everybody. And that is of uh, live and let live, essentially. We all sort of believe, and especially in my own religion, which is Hindu religion, it is called Vasudhaev Kutumbakam. That's the Sanskrit word. I'm going to explain what it means in English. It means the entire world is my family. So now just think the implications of that, okay? If I were not thinking nuclear in terms of just where I live in this house, only this is my family. If I were to not think like that, but think what my culture taught me, that the entire world is my family, then what happens, Anna? All my actions start reverberating that particular thought. Every action of mine then takes into consideration if I do this, This is going to have a ripple effect on my larger family, which is the entire world, whether I should do this or I shouldn't do this. So that is the basic thing. Number two, conversations, like I said, all about conversations. Create these conversations with the people that, you know, you would like to know more about, whether it is Indians, whether it is Chinese, whether it is Vietnam, Middle East, whatever it is. I mean, conversations. Or coffee chat, even nowadays, even better because it's all virtual. You don't even need to go to Sweden or to come to India for having a chat on a coffee, tea, whatever. Half an hour of conversation with a diverse set of people. That has been my own sort of cultural understanding standpoint, you know. So the more you talk, the better you understand what somebody else is saying it to you rather than when you're actually reading it because you don't have a reference point. But when somebody from that particular nuance culture, religion, whatever it is, is talking about that particular thing, you are living that experience from the opposite party's shoes. So it will assimilate better. And the more conversations you have, the better your understanding grows. And from there, will then stem out all these things of how to take everybody together, how to think in a larger perspective of everybody uh, to be considered or taken uh, into account for before any action is carried out. How to basically, if you've given your word, then to make sure that you are carrying it to the T. Otherwise, you know, people don't just say anything for the sake of it. If they say it, then they do it. Whether it is um, hazardous to themselves, own self, it doesn't matter. But because they've given their word, they will do that. So all I'm trying to say is, I think 
the base value which i spoke about you know uh, think from a larger perspective secondly engage in conversations and as many and as diverse conversations the more it will broaden your horizons and eventually in say about 3 to 6 months you will start seeing the changes in yourself anya the horizon is only going to go from here the blinkers to it will go like that and then with passage of time it will just go right away around and come all the way back again no bookish knowledge there from my own experience of how i do stuff and i'm sure if i do it and i learn so much i'm sure as human beings everybody else can do the same so i think that should start anyone on that particular journey thank you back to you I really, really loved how you actually brought this conversation a full circle. We started discussing a sustainable business performance, right? And you talked about it, that it has to be self-sufficient and you have to think a bit more long-term, not only about the here and now. And now we're talking about this global perspective as well. So the whole world is my family. So it's, it's again coming back to this sustainable performance, sustainable business. If you want to have your business successful, not only now, not only today, but five years down the road and 10 years down the road and so on, whatever you scale time, timeline you see for your business, you need to think globally. You need to think in a bigger scale, both time-wise and geographic-wise and culture-wise. So I think that that was a great, great summary for this conversation, Preeti. Thank you so much for that. I would love to wrap up with three questions that I usually ask my guests. The first one is what would be three pieces of advice you would give to the genius leaders tuning in. And you already gave so a lot so many practical tips. So maybe you want to repeat some of them, but maybe you think that we have missed something and you want to bring it now. I think I will talk from my own experience. So the two or three things that I totally believe in is believe more in execution rather than just sitting and planning things, you know. And the second thing that I would say is mindless execution there is no pattern to it so it has got to be well thought through execution and thirdly it has got to be consistent to create any kind of impact or to gain results for a long term basis so be execution focused second be planned about that execution and third be consistent with that execution back to you i love those and they might be perceived as a bit of opposing to each other the first one and the second so you say execute instead of just sitting and planning but then you also say but plan <laughs> and i think that's a very interesting challenge for many people to find that balance that really i can explain i can explain yep so what i mean by that is if we are not really executing we do not know whether that's going to work out or not but when we executing we can see the result whether it is working or not working so what i mean by staying planned is if it is not working there is no point in keeping repeating that right then we need to tweak and plan our execution version number 2 but the whole basic point is keep iterating it but keep executing at the same time so you executing if it is working is fine you're carrying on you executing is not working you're iterating version number 2 version number 2 works you're fine carrying on version number 2 also doesn't work you're planning again version number 3 and so on and so forth that is what i meant by these two sort of 180 degrees different things yet sort of combined with each other i hope that makes perfect sense now and then that combined with consistency in execution back to you i really love them and and as i said they're 180 degrees opposite but they're actually two parts of the same right and i really like how you you're speaking from this entrepreneurial mindset of yours it sounds to me that it is about the imperfect action it's about 
taking action, but then also having this mindset, okay, I'm going to learn from it, whether, okay, it worked or I learned what doesn't work and I tweak it. And it is about this consistent strive for improvement. I'm not saying perfection, but improvement so that you learn, okay, what works, what doesn't, and you adjust and you're okay with that process. And that's the beauty of it all as well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it is for me. I mean, that's how I operate my life. And I'm pretty happy with that because I'm not one of those who would sort of want to sit and ideate on a thing for six, eight months, 10 months and nothing to show for it. I might as well be 80% in planning. Fine, it's not 100%, but I'm not going for perfection. I'm going for execution, iteration, continuous execution, consistency. That's my name of game in my own personal life, Anna. Thank you. Back to you. It sounds like a perfect formula to follow both in life and in business. Pretty one practical piece of advice, some kind of action step that our genius leaders in can take already today after listening to us. So I think for me, the action point would be, you've heard so much about cross-border communication, conversation. I think the time has come to actually act about it. From this conversation, the one thing that I would request everybody to take back is to please pick up that email or that Calendly or whatever the scheduling is. Schedule one conversation, at least three a week, you know, one a day, maybe practically not possible. Between two and three from Monday to Friday, I think that's gold. And if we can keep doing that consistently for three months, I think that would sort of bring in a sea change into the person's whole attitude, aptitude, and how they see themselves, how they perceive the surroundings and how they perceive and take in the larger worldview. Simple words, please pick up that um, pen, paper, whatever, schedule two or three weekly calls, do that for the next quarter. And then you can let Anna know whether that made any difference or not. And even I would like to know whether this conversation has been useful at all. Thank you very much. Back to you, Anna. I love that tip for our challenge or action step, Preeti. Thank you so much for that. Do you see this? I hope you you are grabbing your phones, your devices, your pen and paper to really reach out to someone who you can learn from and broaden your perspectives and really take that action today. Pretty, if people want to learn more about you, find the ways to collaborate or anything, how would they go around? Fantastic. LinkedIn is the answer to everything, Anna. So <laughs> they could reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is pretty easy to find. My name, Preeti Chaudhary, has the only Chinese character in the all of 754 million LinkedIn members. Very easy to spot. I'm happy to add value to any conversation, answer any queries, anything that I could help you with. Please do reach out. Always happy, always available. Back to you, Anna. And talking about help, just throwing out there, if you are helping so many people, uh, both in India and globally, what would you need to help with if someone is listening and, and maybe they have the opportunities that you're looking for right now? Well, I like good conversations, really. I do not have anything particular in my mind, but um, being someone who travels a lot and that means a whole lot of conversations, I like a good conversation. So anybody up for conversations? Because even those are sources of learning for me and personal growth, Anna. So a good 30-minute conversation, let's have it. That'll be me happy. Back to you. So dear genius leaders, you have two people here with international experience ready to hop on a call with you and just exchange and learn from each other. So 
back to the challenge or the action step that Preeti has mentioned, schedule those conversations, reach out to us and let's just have that, that talk with each other that will create some beautiful learnings from, for both sides. Preeti, thank you. Thank you so much for the conversation today. I know how busy you are doing all the amazing things that you're doing in the world. And I really deeply appreciate that you have found time to share your experiences with our audience. Thank you, Anna. And as they say in my language, dhanyavad, which means thank you in Hindi. And it is an absolute pleasure to come and talk to you anytime. So thank you for that. And I hope people do follow the execution part that we've spoken about today, because it is so very important to actually go out and action and execute stuff with that. This is Preeti Chaudhary from my home in India. I'm saying to you namaste and dhanyavad, which means Thank you. And until the next time, please do take good care. Jai Hind. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 